Welcome to Lateral Conversations. My name is Thomas Mark. This is a podcast about the evolution of consciousness, psyche and culture. I speak here with people who have something important to contribute to the development of spirit and society. My guests are therefore artists, philosophers, academics or activists, people not only with great ideas, but also the willingness to put them into the world. By doing so, I hope to contribute to the evolution by finding and exploring ideas and finally providing them to you. There's nothing more powerful, Victor Hugo once said, than an idea whose time has come. And if such a time for an idea has come, we can only find out by talking about them. John Dupuis is such a warm and unique character. I'm very grateful to have had this conversation with him. He is the author of a book called Integral Recovery, a book about an integral approach to addiction. He was a wilderness transformational guide. He's a gifted musician. Uh, way back then he worked uh, the military police in Germany. He speaks German and Spanish and he knows my little island here in Mallorca pretty well. So mostly we talked about his life and his perspectives and uh, about transformation, addiction, about integral approaches to recovery, the opioid crisis. Um, we talked about uh, Jordan Peterson and the IDW and his take on metamodernism. And of course, we talked about the meaning of life. So here we go. I hope you enjoy this conversation. My name is Thomas Mark. All the best to you guys. All right. So, so you left here for one and a half years, you said. Uh -huh. And so because um, you, you grew up in, in, in Latin America and you speak fluently Spanish. And so you I was just... learning when I was four years old, so I would have to be pretty thick skull not to speak Spanish pretty well. So yeah, I'm fluent in Spanish, which is nice. Ich kann auch ein bisschen Deutsch. Ja, das habe ich, ge hab ich gelesen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, get around. Yeah, I was, I was in the army, among other things. I don't know if that's... And they sent me, before they sent me to Germany, they sent me to the Defense Language Institute, where they, they crammed 10 months of German and my poor brain. So for, before I ever got to Germany, I had a pretty good working knowledge right. of, uh, of Germany. And uh, of course, I was, I was more in Southern Germany, Bavaria, Bayern. And, uh, but in the last years, professionally and intellectually, I've been spending more time in Berlin and Northern Germany. And, uh, right. Okay. Because you were an, an investigative police officer or a military officer or what, what was yeah, it exactly? Police investigator, right. So like crimes within the army or what, what did you do? Yeah, and both because we were, our specialty was black marketing and drugs. So, right. you know, it was people, uh, US soldiers or employees or dependents doing things with, uh, you know, people outside of the military exchanging black marketing goods and drugs and all this kind of stuff. All right. Yeah. Okay, you already then had like a tilt towards 
substances and the relationship of human beings to, to those substances. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And yeah, and you know, we, right, and drugs are always involved, not just selling them, but people using them. And, and uh, I got to see the, uh, the destructive uh, uh, capacity of addiction, you know, how it takes you talk about you know, we talk about all our work and our integral uh, practice as an evolutionary uh, direction. And of course, drugs is devolutionary. It takes you from whatever level you were. And if you stick with it, as the progression of the disease goes bigger, yep. you become uh, more zombie-like. And, yep. you know, you lose your soul, you lose your humanity, you lose your uh, everything that you love and care, should care about. It's gone. In Germany, it's like when after high school, you have to, you can choose between military service and social services for, I think, 12 or 18 months, at least in my youth, it was like that. And so I, I chose um, social services and I worked in a hospital. It was a hospital. My father worked actually as a, as a doctor. So, and I, I had the privilege to move around a lot in the stations and like intensive care unit and uh, also, like the, the the unit where all those heavily addicted people, like were like the like yeah. the heavily addicted people, like when 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 um, yeah they they don't have any control anymore about their mental or um, bodily functions in a way, and that that was like devastating. That was horrible to see that what what what, what alcohol can do in a way. Yeah, and, and uh, opioids and. And methamphetamines and the thing is just a huge problem here in the United States. Right now, I, I've, I've read about this. What's going on there? Well, um, you know, and I'm, you know, I mean, it's such a complex problem. You know, if people don't have any reason not to take drugs, they will tend to take drugs. And, and of course, the medical system, uh, big pharma and doctors were implicated in it. They were just, there was a guy I just read, he was, a doctor was given 40 years sentence in prison for prescribing like uh, a half a million doses of, of opioids, yeah. half a million. So yeah. people just show up, give him the money, he'd write the scripts. And so he's going to jail, but it's taken very, very long time to begin to, to, uh, get a control on that but no i don't i don't want to necessarily zone in into addiction but like uh, what I, I think like for me it's it's this topic is in the periphery that the opioid crisis in america and i always wondered why that is because like it's 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 affecting the middle classes do you think it's a transformational problem do you think it's like a spiritual problem or or is it like a problem like out of boredom or what is it like yes. because it's because it's affecting the middle classes and not yes. like people who who are like otherwisely dependent on no i mean every ethnic group every every socioeconomic class is, is hit with this thing you said is it a spiritual problem yes it's a spiritual problem is it boredom yes is it um being disconnected uh feeling that you're not a uh that you're not connected to anything that really matters besides just kind of having a good time Right. And if you can take a pill that makes your, you know, pleasure index go up by a hundred, you know, uh, why not? If that's the only reason they are. And, and somebody once said that uh, ethical behavior is our moral behavior is how we behave when we feel that we belong. So if you love your family, you know, and just like, or your children, it's like, am I going to do this line? Am I going to take this pill? 
most of the time, I mean, there will be a healthy no. And uh, I remember in my, my younger years, I did cocaine twice. And I probably, anyway, and it was like, I loved it. Mm, you know, was, sure. I was like, nope, can't go there. You know, I could see, I could see the road. Uh, uh, that would be, yes, yes. mm -hmm. I just can't do that when I got enough problems without, you know, sticking this up up my nose. Right. So, um, yeah, but, but yeah, but it, it's, and, and I think part of it is there's just shallowness of modern postmodern existence. You know, you have to have a reason to, to become the best version of yourself. You know, there has to be some sense. And when I was a young man, uh, I mean, I dropped out of high school when I was uh, in ninth grade, never, never got through high school. And, uh, but, and I traveled a lot and, 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 and I didn't exactly know what my life purpose was, what I was going to be doing, but it was, I had the stories like live your life as if it mattered, as if you have some great thing to do to write the great American novel or write something or contribute in a big way and live your life like that. And then if it, doesn't happen or it's not you know it's just a story at least you live your life nobly and you right. won't have too much to regret right. so i learned at an early age to ask questions and listen you know to people who had stories and had things to teach me which is basically anyone and that that really helped a lot right. and read the good books you know read the big books listen to the great minds all of that stuff because you know maybe we'll start to you know, put it together. And then I was in grad school. And then later on when I discovered, uh, well, I discovered Ken pre, Ken Wilbur pre integral. And then in, in the late nineties, uh, I was a little bit late in the, in this, uh, discovering integral about a year and a half behind the first big wave, I think. And, uh, that just, you know, helped bring everything. You see how everything fits together and, and, and just, uh, everything that's essential is pretty much included. Right. And, uh, and so I think, I think Ken has had a huge influence and now I've been, uh, well, I'll show you. Yeah. Well, I always, um, you know, for, for me, I, I never had an attraction to, to the opioids. I, I don't know if, if that simple distinction still is valid. You have the opioids, opioids on one side and the hallucinogenics on the other side. And, you know, for me, uh, when I was in a young age, those, those hallucin uh, psychedelics were like kind of an entry uh, drug in a good way because I discovered yeah. because I discovered Timothy Leary and his stages model of the nervous system and and so on. that was the first time I got introduced to some form of stage model of the human yes. mind so and and by Leary I I went down the rabbit hole and discovered Wilbur and and all of this so and sure. and, and so that that um, was kind of uh, my way into you, this this um, nexus of things, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and it's a very kind of kind of really interesting time to be alive and right. to be conscious and, and uh, with the uh, IDW, uh, the dark web or the deep web, I like to call it. That's a nice way to put it too. And with the reemergence of psychedelics uh, being right. used in in wise ways and being used for studies. I read Palin's book and basically there's no new information that we didn't know back in the seventies or eighties, but he's reintroducing this to a, a new generation. Right. And, uh, and hopefully we, we will, um, you know, 
the generations now, the people that are beginning to use this will use it in, in, in a better way uh, right. because it's so powerful. Right. And obviously, if you're not prepared, you, you can really hurt yourself. And, right. you know, so, so you have to I mean, to, 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 to bring it all, uh, to, to, to find a starting point and to bring it all a sure. little bit together, because I, I've, what I found so interesting, like generally, is, is, the, um, is this, um, how do I say, this point where personal transformation, pers personal growth and development, big history, you know, there are these, these theories where they propose that the development of our consciousness was in a way only possible by the ingestion of hallucinogenics. And, and there's even a book, it's called The, the Drunken Monkey. So that, uh, do you know that book where, 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 the, where, the, where the guy argues that um, we, we are so adapted to alcohol, you know, that it's part of our evolutionary history and with, with calorie consumption and everything. And so, so in, in one way or the other, there are a lot of theories how, um, you know, we grew and, and grew through the stages of de development by ingestion of certain drugs and substances. And you, you find it, I think Jordan Peterson, where you mentioned like the IDW, Jordan Peterson yeah. mentioned that, that, you know, even in Christianity, and you, you find these depictions of, mushrooms, you know, and, and yes. you find it in, in Hinduism and Buddhism, like a ritualistic approach to those substances, you know, and, and, and so all, all of these things where, where substance um, and substances are used to, to enhance development, but, you know, there's also a dark path to that, yeah. you know, and, and so, and so one has to be very careful how to, how to use that. And so the, the connection between, you know, um, substances and, and development. And I think that is the start, the, po the point I wanted to talk to you about, you know, sure. because I think you have a lot to say about both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of, one of the things that, that, you know, we, we, in, in, in Ken's work also, I'm, I'm, I'm very much into, uh, Hansi Freinach and, uh, I'm working on his the second book, the, the Nordic Ideology, and uh, I really love it. And it's very integral. I mean, you know, it's just integral without maybe some of the political baggage of the integral movement. He just takes it and looks at it in a different way. And I, I think it really adds a lot yep. to the to, to the whole integral, not as a not as a, a Ken Wilber literary or intellectual movement, but integral as a new level of of human evolution and bringing it into politics. Uh, I just love that, you know, because sure. God, I mean, you look at our poor country, you know, uh, our, our rich country, whatever, and, and what we're going through now with just complete meltdown in, in, in the White House. And, uh, it's ah, so to have a, a mo something that's emerging that beyond left conservative, progressive, left wing, right wing, right. something that includes both, which is, of course, that's the whole integral um, whole integral kind of thrust is bringing it all together but he does it in a really uh way that i love you know and there's nothing wrong with the welfare state the problem with the welfare state it doesn't go well welfare enough i mean it doesn't go deep enough right you know i'm um, yes the, the homeless mother you know needs a check so she can feed her babies right but it that it just starts from there 
Right. We have to do all four quadrants. We have to do uh, physical health. We have to do interior health, uh, emotional health, spiritual health. We have to do cultural health. We have to do uh, make sure that everybody has enough to eat and a, a place to stay and can live a life that uh, has dignity. Right. I think that's a good good way. Of so where do you see the the uh, common points and the divergent points between like integral and metamodern and say the the IDW and and those those people, Jordan Peterson in particular. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Jordan, I really like Jordan Peterson. And I was, I first heard about him and, you know, he was supposed to be this um, uh, spokesperson for the uh, alt-right or something like that and uh, getting a lot of heat. And I listened to him. I didn't see that at all, you know. I mean, there were some conservative uh, values. I mean, one of his points, uh, look at Western culture and the fact that, you know, you're, you're in Mallorca and I'm in Northern Louisiana and we're talking here and people are going to have the opportunity all over the planet to hear this. It's like, dang, something happened. Right. It's not all bad. And I think the dark green of the dark postmodern is that Western civilization is a cancer. We need to go back to the tribal, uh, romanticized tribal past, etc. Um, yeah. And he says, well, just appreciate it. You know, um, we've been having lousy weather here and I'm per perfectly comfortable because mm. my little, I continue to practice and continue to do my work. Right. So there's so much good. And, and just now with the crisis going on, and uh, what's the day today? It's October 4th, just to historically locate. And uh, this impeachment process is going in Trump, and he's isolated himself in the White House with uh, just surrounded with two or three people, and he's just losing his mind. You know, he's just, he's unhinged, and he's not listening to anybody that uh, uh, has any wisdom. And right. so we're, we're just going through this process and uh, uh, to have, well, well, yeah, to, to, to uh, one, one of the things that's, it's um, helped me to appreciate about the United States is the constitution. We still have this thing, right? They call it the, the, the deep state. Well, the deep state are these structures that are more powerful than the individual. So if you have an anomaly, like somebody so off, off the rails like Trump, it can still hold them in. Right. And the advantage is we've been doing it over 200 years. You know what I mean? It's like we didn't just de declare our democratic government last year or five years ago. It, does, it doesn't have that much depth, but this, uh, it has this, this, this strong kind of skeletal issue. And it, it still remains to be seen, you know. But my hope is, and I think people will begin to have more respect for the Constitution, for the rule of law, and why we need those things to hold hold this whole thing together when you have right. all these different developmental levels and all these conflicting worldviews, et cetera. It's, it's really a work of genius, and hopefully it's going to save us. I mean, like Ken, Ken wrote like this piece, Truth uh, in the uh, Trump in the Post-Truth World, I think was the, yes. was, right. and, and he somewhat argued that there was like a connection between the left moving, well, to the hard left in a way to identity politics, Uh, leaving like like the, the the rust belt and everything those people behind the deplorables you know and and so there was like a pushback of those people to those policies policies uh, whereby uh, enabling Trump to to get into office do you think like from from an inside perspective that that has somewhat changed I mean like I what I what I see from an outsider that as an outsider is that you know uh, Still, identity politics is running amok in a kind of way, 
and I, I'm not talking about the healthy healthy left things, but but more like the you know uh, trans trans women competing with actual females, and you know that's that's just not okay, you know. Yes. So right. so so and 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 I have the feeling as long as the the left doesn't you know checks his own attitudes you know and this works more integrative in, in in terms of the the more traditional american people so that you know i i have the deep fear that trump is just getting elected again well gosh boy do i hope you're wrong um yeah and and i mean identity politics it was a civil rights movement identity politics well, kind of, you know, it said that black people were being, you know, treated really poorly and it was true, 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 true. But I know what you're talking about, the radical left. But the problem is, I mean, gay rights. Well, of course, gay sure. people, should, I mean, it shouldn't even be a question, but it is. But the problem with, with, with the new left or the, the dark left is it's just become so hateful. And for example, I, I'm here in, uh, in Northern Louisiana, we're here because my, my wife's mother is old and needs our help. So we kind of uh, shifted our base between Utah and here to be with her. And uh, let me see where I was going with that, Tom. Um, oh, about, yeah, the, the, uh, it's become this LGBTQ dot, 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 dot. And most of us don't even understand what the letters mean. And they're sitting there yelling at us for something we don't really understand and beating us over the head where, you know, I'm your ally. You know, of right. course, you know, and I don't understand the, the whole bathroom thing and all that. That's, that's getting a really nitpicky right. and what it's going to do. It's going to, it's going to alienate people. You can't, you can't take conservative and I'm not talking about, you know, Trumpites or something. I'm just basically religious conservatives. Like my relatives are here. They're very devout Catholics uh, in the best sense and try to shove all this stuff down them. And, and, you know, force them to use different pronouns and this and that and all this stuff. They don't even know what the hell you're talking about. But immediately, you know, you're going you're gonna to run into resistance. And so if you don't have an integral knowledge of stages and accept people where they're at and try, instead of trying to force them to be where you're at or you want them to be, it's just you're going to cause so much. You know, it's, you're just going to put back the cause you're, you're fighting for, even if it's a noble and good thing, uh, decades. Right. And you're going to harden the resistance. And so part of the, the, uh, the integral impulse of the integral uh, awakening, as, as Hansi well, puts it well, you have, to, you have to speak to people where they're at. And you, um, you work to bring out the best parts yeah. of blue, conservative, or orange modernity, or post-modernity, and kind of separate the stuff that may not be uh, very right. useful. Right. Well, Ken, Ken just released, like, I, I think, like 10 days ago, like a little video snippet where he talked about the Beatles, you know, I, I don't know if you have seen it. It was, it was kind of cute um, because like everybody loves the Beatles. They are like the sun. So it's like, what the fuck? But it was nice that, that um, Ken talked about that they were representing the, the first front of the healthy good meme they were singing about love and you know and, and everything and then by 68 you know there, there was like a cultural shift and the dark meme first first emerged and what he says like in 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 consequence of that it's like a new ethnocentristic thinking um got the better of of that movement and so you have like what you say like this 
this uh, LGBT, LGBT, LGBT people who obviously should have any rights, you know, but, but you know, it's like it's deep ethnocentristic thinking, you know, to, to divide society in certain groups and, you know, with, with a kind of victim narration. And so that, that, that is kind of a problem there, I think. Yeah, when I when I was in grad school, I lived in, in San Francisco Bay Area. And I think, you know, the two sides of green. Now, most of my life, I, I worked uh, as a wilderness guide. And, and uh, there's a lot of green uh, nature. What does it mean, wilderness guide? I, I, I read uh, that. But what, what, what do you mean? Yeah, it's, in other words, we would take people out, young people out on extended trips, six, eight, 12 weeks into the wilderness. And southern Utah, primarily, great wilderness area, beautiful, beautiful, in order to get them away from the problems they were having and help them kind of see themselves in a new light and find out their, you know, just learn to be, learn about themselves and their issues. And so it was a therapeutic intervention. So with kids were having uh, drug problems or school problems or this or that, we'd send them out there. And then later on, I started a program for adults doing the same thing. All right, and, and this was like for, for how many weeks did you do that? Like um, like one trip, how long did that take? Minimum, minimum six weeks. Right. And, and I went through several programs and, and sometimes it would be 12, you know, 18 weeks or something like that. Okay. Amazing to watch people, the, uh, the transformations they go okay. through. So also survival techniques out there in the wilderness? Sure. Yeah, how to make fires using right. uh, methods and uh, ancestral skills and how to build your, your uh, we didn't have tents, we had, you know, just tarps, how to for, survive. For, for how long did you do that? Oh gosh, I don't know, uh, 12, maybe 15 years altogether. Right, okay. Interesting. That was state funded or did you have your firm or like your company? Uh, there, were, there were both. In the beginning, we had, uh, when, when I first started, well, the second time I was working, when I was working in Utah, you had uh, adjudicated kids that were sent there by the court system. And then you had uh, uh, students who were there because their parents paid or they had insurance that would cover it. Right. So there were, there were both. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and, and one, of the, one of the great insights that I got is that the, the young people uh, that I was um, living with and being out there with, they were just as fine a young people as have ever been young people. You know, you thought the generation is so screwed up. Well, uh, the, the context and some of the things that, that young people have to put up with growing up is very unhealthy. But if you put them in a healthy environment where they're emotionally supportive and, and uh, they're, they're, you have to show up, okay? You can't just be a teenager, you know, where, you know, everybody tries to keep you under wraps and everything. You have to show up and be part of the group and take responsibility and push yourself beyond what you thought you could do. Right. And it changes. And, and a lot of the existential kind of spiritual uh, issues begin to soften uh, the, as you... Uh, you sleep under the stars as you hike through the desert, as you're in the mountains and go through the canyons and drink out of the stream. Just after a while, that begins to shift and you become, you become very present. I think, mm. I think wilderness immersion is a great mindfulness. Uh, right. I can imagine. Mm. And, uh, uh, Far away from all the light pollution, you know, it's oh, like, yeah. mm. especially in Southern Utah where we yeah. are, it's really high altitude and no cities right. and very little smog and light pollution. So, you know, it's right there, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. 
just right. <laughs> and it was really good for me because I was going through my own stuff, right? And struggling with my, you know, existential crisis and identity and all this stuff. And I got out there with these young people and they were expecting me to be the leader, right? right? To be the role model, to be the adult. And it's like, I, you know, I don't feel like I'm that. Mm. I feel I'm probably more screwed up than any of these people, but in, in AA, we should take it till you make it. So I said, okay, it's what you need me to be. That's what I'm going to be. Right. So I started being that. And of mm. course it was really good for me. I found it was not just about me. And of course I loved and, and uh, I would have given, laid down my life for my students, you know, in, in a heartbeat because they were, you know, they were there in my care. So it was very good for me on a soul uh, meaning level and very good for the students. In fact, we still I mean, have 15, 15 years is a long time. You missed that? Like going? Well, we live in, in uh, uh, Wayne County, Utah, which is right down in South Central Utah. And we have like 2,500 square miles of land. And it's public land. It's Forest Service, BLM, or, or Park Service. And you can go anywhere. And there's about a little over 2,000 people that live there. Oh, right. Okay. That's so we all have like a square mile, you know, to get lost in. And so it's not like, and you can go anywhere you want. So I, I'm still very much connected to that. Mm. And yes, I still, I do miss uh, sleeping under the stars and doing that. In other ways, it's like, God, I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. Because mm. I mean, it's very, very challenging. But yeah, so, but it was not a time where I, I felt I, there were years wasted. It was yeah. uh, an excellent time for me. And I had purpose and meaning and I could see helping these families and their kids and it, it uh it, anyway it gave me a lot of joy and and, and yeah, it's, it's of, su such a such an interesting point you know it's like are you familiar with christopher ryan the the guy who wrote sex at dawn and civilized to death mm -mm. so so he, he he has like he is like because i never i, I never went to to the united states but he he has like the most amazing um instagram account and so he drives with his van you know, through Montana and, you know, and, and so he hikes and, 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 and then he write, writes great books who are like New York Times bestsellers. And so that's it's just amazing how, how he does it. He's, he's a cool guy. He has a great well, po podcast. Although, hmm? You have a place to go now uh, in the United States and you're totally welcome. And, right. Uh, Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, you can visit us here too. Louisiana is a complete other thing, but the, the wilderness and, and we have a, we have a, a guest cabin on our property as well as the, the house that we live in. So you got plenty of room. All you have to right. do is get over. Good. <laughs> a lot of, we see a lot of Germans, uh, 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 tourists who, you know, Germans with Karl May and all have had this. What is of, your ancestry? Are you like Irish? Or, or, uh, uh, that's a good question. Actually, I did the, uh, I did the, uh, genetic, uh, mapping of myself, and it turns out I'm 40% Scandinavian. All right. A, uh, 6% Saxon, uh, West Germany, up that area. About, I think, 16% or 13% uh, the UK and Ireland and this and that. And then I have about 25% from uh, uh, southern France, uh, oh. northern Spain, and then there's like 5% Greco Roman and and oh, I think one percent mm. European Jew. So uh, it's a healthy mixture, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a good, a good, uh, a good. You know, I didn't but expect. Dupuis sounds like a Can French Canadian name. Yes, it's French. Um, my great grandfather came from uh, uh, south of Toulouse in that area. All right. Absolutely. So 
area. It must have been really hard times there. Otherwise, why would you leave that and go to Louisiana? Mm in your swamps and mosquitoes and everything. But yeah, that's where he came from. Right. And uh, when I was growing up, my father's generation were Cajun. They're the French speaking people in, uh, in Louisiana. All the adults spoke French, but you know, my generation lost them. So. Right. And but so if you, if you, I mean, let, let me ask, or let, allow me to ask. So if you, if you look back in your, in your history, like um, I'm always interested why certain people Uh, are zoning in on certain topics, so to say, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I myself, I, I know my own topics, I know where they came from, what I come coming from. So but but like when you when you, um, you know, you worked in the wilderness with with people with addiction, you were like, um, in the military and worked also like with people like substance abuse and criminal things. And you wrote, like, uh, integral recovery, these, this, um, book where you where you bring integral theory and and transformation together so where where does that impetus this this motivation come from if i may ask to 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 do to to zone in in this this kind of topic yeah well the the um when i was about 11 years old 11 or 12 um i had my first big spiritual experience awakening And uh, they'd given me a little New Testament uh, in, in school and said, read it every night. And I didn't read it. So finally, but finally, I, I started reading uh, Matthew and I got to the Sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, on and on this. And something just broke open it. And, and I've been raised Catholic. And I was like, who the heck is this Jesus? I, what? And I had this experience that God was love. And... God was everywhere and everything, you know, this is about, uh, you know, I guess about a profound uh, spiritual experience as a 12 year old can have. And it never dawned on me to go ask a priest, right. Or something which you think would be a, a logical thing. because I didn't feel that energy and I didn't really have any eldering or any support, but I was just filled with this sense of love and purpose. And then as a powerful state experience, it began to fade And I was left in, in uh, the late 60s and everything that was going on there and my family and, and, and school, and et cetera. But that gave me uh, a taste of higher purpose and higher meaning, okay? And so I went out trying to find, you know, Parsifal, the young fool, right, going out uh, into the world and trying to, uh, to find his way. And uh, when I was doing the, the military police thing, that was still a very meaning thing, you know, I mean, stopping bad people from hurting good people. Okay, I can wrap my head around that, you know, that's, that's noble enough. And that's what I, I did at the time. So it was, it was that, uh, that taste. And then uh, with psychedelics and other experiences and, and nature emergence and doing vision questing and stuff like that, I still had uh, these experiences of, of spirit. You know, they weren't always, you know, a New Testament Jesus-based uh, experience, but tapping in to that great mystery. So that had, uh, that became a, just a lodestone, a, play, a touchstone for me to always come back to center. And uh, then when I, when I, um, after grad school, that's where I met my wife in, in San Francisco Bay Area, we moved to uh, Southern Utah in a big old, four-wheel drive truck and we just tooled around the desert for like six months until we finally said 
no more money, gotta work. And then that's when we found the wilderness, therapeutic wilderness industry. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my, oh, and before that, in the six months prior to, to the finding, I was out vision questing. And I, I didn't know you could get support for this, you know, have, have, a, have a group and a teacher that gets you ready for the experience and supervises you. It's just like go out on the edge of a canyon, sit there for three or four days and just fast and pray. And I started kind of getting a, a, a sense of direction and purpose. And, uh, you know, it's like, I, and, I, and I had a, um, a, a Native American elder who was a friend and, and, a, and, and a teacher of mine, not an official way. I'm sorry, my, my phone is barking. And the in no problem. These are the things I can cut out. Do you see? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so, but but in, in the in the Native American, this is the, the the Plains Indian, the Lakota, and the Cheyenne. You know, it's like great spirit, you know, you know, thank you for our lives. And, and what can we do to give back, you know, to you, to our people. So there's always a sense of, 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 of giving back uh, to life and, and a democracy of all beings, you know, which is very, very beautiful. All, all creatures are, are honored in that, in that uh, spiritual tradition. And it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's a profoundly gorgeous monotheistic in the sense that there is a great spirit and there's a lot of other things going on too but uh, uh anyway i learned i learned a lot about that and learned a lot about you know it's not just jesus died for your sins he's punching your ticket and you're going to go to heaven it's kind of an easy way in this thing you actually have to become jesus you have to put yourself out there and sacrifice for your people to show spirit that you're serious about this endeavor and uh, it ain't supposed to be easy. And in that process of looking for a vision. In the process of, of, of looking for the vision and going through the suffering and the pain and the deprivation, it begins to change you, you know, it, sure, um, sure. it becomes kind of deep change as opposed to just, wow, I had this drug experience and boom, you know, and then it went away. But it doesn't really explain why you became an expert on addiction and recovery. So. Okay, because right, thank you. No, because no, no, because I can, I can, I can underscore what I what I mean. Because like for me, it's like I'm, I'm uh, I like to work with with the model of um, with a, with the Socratian idea of, of a daimon of some some structure of the self which is like kind of in the known and, and kind of not in the known, but acts like as a kind of transmitter between, between the higher and the sacred and the profane, so to speak. And, and, and Socrates says like this, this, this diamond, this, this form uh, gives you some talents and some interests, which you can yeah. use to, you know, to, to access the, 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 the sacred. It will also give you some problems because you, you have to use it to develop But in the end, it's exactly what you need to, to access, you know, the, the, the higher realms of the gods or your, the yes. transpersonal realm. So, and so, and so I, I mean it like in this way. So why, why, why did you have like this tilt in yourself to, you know, the, the gift to dive in, into the topic of recovery and addiction? Where, you know, where, where does it come from? Well, basically, uh, and, and we, 
looked at the stats on this, that about 85% of, of uh, young people and later adults who were showing up for our programs were there because of problems with drugs. Yeah, some, some people are just having a hard time or, you know, abusing drugs and they go, okay, this is stupid. I can't do this anymore. Da, 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 and they move on or they moderate or whatever. An addict, by definition, can't do that. And so the main problem that our students were facing that would come out to us in the wilderness was drug related and addictions. And we're, I just didn't think the model worked. Right. You know, and, and parents paying all this money, you know, to, to, for, you know, to try to get kids some help. And, you know, it's just like, it was lame. And, uh, uh, around that time I read a, uh, a PDF file by Ken Wilber called the integral vision or something like that. And it later became uh, the book, but I just read it and, and I'd known Ken, I'd read, you know, the early stuff, but that was before, you know, Ken Wilber, the integral and the aqua map and all that stuff. But I read that early uh, paper, just laying out all quadrants, all levels, all lines, all states and all types. And it was like, Oh my God, it was like the Rosetta stone for, uh, understanding uh addiction treatment especially treatment right this everything that has to be included i was like i was so excited and um i figured somebody certainly somebody had been doing this or already doing because so obvious to me the application i called the integral institute and uh they're like we're really busy click and uh, it was like i didn't care i was so happy you know i said they are busy and they're doing such good things for people and it turns out there was a paper that was written in a journal that kind of outlined an integral, um, an integral approach to treatment. But I, and this was after I wrote my book or when it's getting ready to be published. And I went and I looked for these people and tried to use the internet in every way. And they just disappeared off the planet. So there were some, some people that are actually doing it, but they didn't take it as far. And it was just a wide open field. And some, a lot of people say about my book, it's, it, they, they call it, uh, some of my integral friends call it dumb it, call me dumb it down to Pui. In other words, I explain integral in a way that most people can understand it. Right. You know, when Ken starts talking about, it, I mean, if you don't, I mean, it can be, it can be, he's just very, very smart. And it's very hard for some, uh, people to understand unless you have a particular DNA thing where you get Wilbur. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's it. I had to not because I loved addiction or I was an addict myself or it was just, that's what the universe was putting in front of me. And if I didn't figure out a better way, then my students wouldn't have as good a chance as they deserve. So that's kind of right. Okay. I mean, like the, I mean, pardon me for being so frank, but a lot the universe puts a lot of front of you. Why choose this topic? Yes. Well, this was definitely a, a mortal concern and, right. and with addicts, if they don't get it, they're going to die. So it's not right. just like, how to, uh, you know, lose five pounds or something. I mean, it's very, very serious stuff. And uh, I, I really cared about my students. And then, you know, afterwards, when the graduation, the parents, I'd get to meet the families and, and work with them and everything. And I was just like, my heart broke open. And, and I was trying to Probably hire Because them. you saw that, that you can help, I suspect. You know, because like, if, because like if, if I put myself in your shoes or put myself in your situation, I wouldn't have a, a clue how to help those people. And I, I won't even dare to try. So, so I think you have to have a vision and so, so the self-confidence that you can do it and that you, that you have like a model and an approach and a technique to do that in the first place. 
And, you know, and, and addiction is one of the number one uh, health problems in the world, definitely in the United States, drug-related. And I went to school to learn how to be a therapist, and we didn't talk about addiction almost at all. And I've talked since I've, you know, I've spoken about this and written about this over the years. I've had, you know, uh, I had a young Swedish doctor approach me one time. And after a talk, he said, you know, I'm a doctor. I said, well, that's great. Congratulations. And he says, you know, and you're not. I said, no, I'm not. And I'm having to learn about this from you. Instead of you learning from me, that is wrong. And I went, exactly. Hmm. You know, this is broken. And just ignoring it, you know. And, and not only ignoring it, but, but uh, becoming the problem itself. Becoming the number one dealer you know, with these prescriptions and all such. So the medical medical industry in, in this regard has covered itself in shame. And uh, hopefully things are shifting, but you need to get it together. So I had to fashion myself into that because, I mean, and the experts were at that point people who had been sober for a while and were doing AA. And I hired a guy to go out on the trip and he blew his ankle out like on the second day. So I am great. So uh, I just couldn't find people who could be in the wilderness and know all this stuff. And so, and people were starting to look at me as John, the addiction expert. And I was like, man, addiction expert, what? So I began to really study and uh, learn everything I can, of course, and and listening, listening uh, to my students tell their stories. One of the things, you know, people, they would tell their, their life story around the fire. So you're looking into the fire, which is brain entrainment, I'm sure. And uh, just, you know, speak your truth. And so I would ask questions and listen uh, with empathy and understanding. And after a while, you just start get an intuitive sense. And I would tell my students, uh, you know, I'm not an addict, but they, but what I suffer from is depression. And so I would tell them a bit about my stuff and go, okay, you get it, you know? Right. and, And I wouldn't, I wouldn't pretend to be something I wasn't. I said, you know, I've heard, I had a student tell me, you know, I would just, uh, and you know, so much of addiction is is about falsifying and lying and covering up and all this stuff. And so you, this thing you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Right. I mean, they they have a pretty good uh, uh, sense of what's real and what's right. So I had to I had to become that which I couldn't find uh, to hire somebody else. And so that just kind of how the all journey. Right. Okay. So that's like where. Um, um recovery and transformation like converge because I suspect you have like this four quadrant model also where you have to take into account like like the interpersonal, the personal, you know, the, the, the chemical imbalances, the social structure, and you can't just use one like quadrant to, to address addiction. Right. So you have to take all into account. It's like a ta- table with one leg, you know, that's one leg. It's not going to be stable. And which brings the, the me to the well something that's my big idea and and the focus of my work is integral practice okay and uh i i I, anyway i've been listening to a lot of great podcasts including your own and i heard someone say uh, maybe the problem with the integral movement is more it was an intellectual thing right it was just it was just a head trip and then people were talking about the uh idw also as possibly being that and you know you have these feedback loops where people keep saying the same thing and they get famous for this one stick and it just starts to be this just just another 
very interesting head trip, but not really transformative. Right. And how, how to, to, to ground all the stuff is integral practice. And integral practice is four basic things that you have to, to work with. Body, okay, you have to exercise and, and strength training and cardio and, uh, you know, yoga and all these things. Put that together, however that works for you. You have to have uh, a mental mind practice, which means listening uh, to your podcast and and the people that you talk to and reading the good books and struggling with ideas that matter. And of course you have to be to say, no, this is BS. I mean, there's so much you can get lost in the world of Maya and just meaningless stuff. So you have to have the mental practice because we live in very complex times and the solutions are just beginning to evolve for what needs to happen now. So you have to be kind of uh, on board with that. Right. And then the emotional part, which includes the shadow work and your traumas and stuff from the past. And so all this emotional uh, stuff has to be dealt with. And then last but not least is a spiritual practice. So, and it could be, you know, you can, you can do it through a religious tradition or not, you know, more, you know, many more of us now are becoming uh, spiritual, but not religious, but uh, it's fine. But to have a practice, that's actually helping you shut up. Uh, your your mind and go deep inside and reach these these levels of consciousness that uh, that was revealed to us by by um, uh, psychedelics and in many cases oh Rumi's real oh you know the great mystic Meister Eckhart you know hey I kind of get it now what the heck they're talking about because you have to experience that but then the the and this is the 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 super important point to be made about psychedelics is that you need to prepare for them with an integral practice you need to have an interior practice. You need to, to already be cultivating uh, that part of you. And then you have the, the, the psychedelic experience and hopefully it's a good one or good one. Uh, I, uh, that doesn't mean happy, but just a, a powerful one that that's transformative, but then you need a practice to stabilize it on the way out. And so it, it doesn't just become playing with, you know, interesting trips, this, mm -hmm. that it actually becomes, uh, it accelerates the, the, the progression of your personal evolution, and that's where it's at. And, and uh, Hansi Freinacht, and, and they're talking about, and Ken uh, talked about in the book, A Post-Truth uh, World with Trump. He said right. that the solution to every problem is developmental. And like when I first read that, I was like, oh, man, Ken, that's a little bit simplistic, wouldn't you say? it's pretty complex and I started thinking about it it's like you know what ain't that the truth you know all the issues that we're having in America now with our divided you know left right this that MSNBC Fox News everybody screaming at each other nobody even listening to one another can only begin to be resolved at the higher level of, of development where you can start saying hey you know you guys are right about this and you guys right. have a real this and you can begin to bring that together and and how do we develop into those people that we need to be to usher in the changes that are happening and need to happen is by becoming those people by right. personal heroic daily work to transform right. and you know, my other thing we haven't mentioned i'm the ceo of um iowake technologies which is uh we've been nine years now and we develop um, brain entrainment tools, sounds that will help you go into deep meditative states. So it can 
it can get you into a deep transformative meditative practice much, much quicker, like 10 times faster than if you tried to do your own. And most people, uh, many of us, which was my case, is like traditional meditation is so difficult and it's so hard to keep up in the modern world. If you're not in an ashram or you're not in a monastery or something, it's very different. So we don't stick with it. But with this stuff, most people beginning begin to feel, uh, experience the changes almost immediately in the first few days. And so um, you still have to do the practice. You know, I wish you could just take a pill and you're enlightened and at all, all levels, all lines, and you're all squared away. Well, it's not like that. But, but it gives you tools to, to accelerate and, and not leave anything behind. Because one of the, one of the, the dangers of the spiritual uh, evolution is that, you know, you get the spiritual awakening or you get the non-duality and blah. Then you think, oh, my God. It's done. You know, uh, I'm enlightened. It's all good. No, it's just the very beginning. And if you don't deal with your shadow stuff and the emotional stuff, you'll take that transmission and do all kinds of awful things with it. And that's why you just like, how come these teachers who are supposed to be the wise, the best, the smartest, most enlightened are assholes? Right. You know, what happened? Let me, so, let me, before we, we come to that, let me just pedal uh, to, to, topics back um, because you talked about development and I, I was just thinking you know how much do you think addiction as we know it is part of postmodernity? because let me explain because like um, I mean we were always like confronted with alcohol through our evolutionary history sure. but you know it's like there was an accessibility problem you know we, everybody was poor We, it's like, of course, there were drunks like in modernity or before that, but not, but not in this scale. You know, it's not like everybody has enough money to be drunk all the time, you know? Yeah. So that, that's a problem. Then there's the problem with the deconstruction of ethics and morals in, in a way, which, which protects somehow against, against uh, addiction in a way. And so and then you have like the advent of psychology, which is like a, for me, like a, typical postmodern uh, science in a way. And so, and so you have like this new understanding of what's going on inside and because depression, like there was no concept for depression for 400 years ago, you know? And so you have all these different aspects coming together and, and creating this, this postmodern problem of addiction. And so, and so it seems to me that, that you know, whereas, Is it at the same time as a, as a, as a problem of postmodernity? It's also like a, a possibility to grow, if, if handled correctly, into, into the next stage of development. If you, sure. if you, so, and, you know, what, what do you think of that? And like, oh, I, I, man, I think you just, that was brilliant. You should um, write a paper. And um, um, one of the things you talk about, the deconstructive kind of uh, cynicism that comes out of postmodernity as you begin to call bullshit on everything. Um, and so those values that could have like caring for your family, caring for your God, caring for your country, you know, more traditional values, even modern values would, would, uh, act as, as breaks to stop you from doing these things. Right. It's like, well, that's not right. I can't do that. And eh, obvious. Which is, well, which is what right. Jordan Peterson yeah. sometimes promotes, like, like, get reenact those morals that, that can, and these ethics that can protect yeah. you against the, the bulwark of, as a bulwark against chaos. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and AA, the first thing in the modern 
uh, well, in the modern recovery movement, it's been 80, 90 years now, uh, what it is, it's just basic structure to how to behave. You know, uh, you're like the dumbest guy in the room. You don't, your mind is all messed up with drugs and alcohol. You need to shut up, listen, listen to your sponsor, do this work, go to meetings, and it creates a structure that is, is really necessary, okay, and support, and, and it works famously, but that's just, that's like the first grade, that's step one. The problem is, it doesn't really go beyond that. So people get tired and say, okay, I get it, I appreciate it, but you know, I gotta move on. And so you need something that's developmental that, that, that meets all those needs. But if you try to get to these higher levels of development and you haven't even gotten the basic ethical and moral uh, issues uh, intact, that's gonna sabotage your higher growth. So those levels, are, I mean, I, I write about it very, uh, with great respect in my book and about AA and the work it's done. So yeah, that's, that's just humanity 101 and right. post-modernity like shakes that all down. And so it's not there anymore. So now the next, the next level is how it's, it's not enough to deconstruct. You have to reconstruct right. in, a, in, a, in a better, wiser, uh, more skillful, more beautiful and effective way. I mean, like even in regard of the opioid crisis, why would a healthy middle-class family with two kids start taking heroin if, uh, if it's not uh, for the loss of, of, of sense and, and meaning in life? You know, if you, there's this famous photo of, of that van with, with, with the children in the back and the, the parents are like super high on, on heroin. Why, why would you do that if you, if you could still work with like traditional family values, you would never do that. But postmodernity somehow has just deconstructed all of that. Like, like there, there's an actual assault from the far dark left, as you said, on family values, you know, and it's like, then you, you, then, then you can't wonder why people are taking opioids. You know, it's like, the, it's like what, what, are you, what are you expecting? Well, it also part of the problem is, uh, you know, especially for your, you know, your traditional people, I'm thinking of, of Louisiana and, and uh, uh, my relatives that live here, is these, their drugs were prescribed by physicians. So 60%, I, I, I read a stat of, of, of heroin addicts, opioid addicts started with prescribed medication. Right. So the doctor, and of course, a doctor is a doctor, right? He's, he's an authority symbol. It's somebody, lawyers and doctors and judges are, you know, they're people to be respected. And uh, they, they prescribe these things. And man, these things can take over so quickly, you know, and, and you know, if they give you 15 or 20 pills, that's enough to get you hooked. And, and not everybody who takes these things get addicted, okay? Some people, they just don't respond to it. And they don't like the feeling and it's not an issue, but others, you know, you take it and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're experiencing states of peace and joy and a lack of neurotic tension and all this stuff. And uh, wow, it's great. Uh, uh, and the confusion of post-modernity where you really have no strict values and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You just can call BS on everything. And you get into one of these ecstatic, peaceful, deep states of uh, when you're taking Oxycontin or, or heroin or one of these derivatives, hey, it seems it's beautiful. And, and that beautiful state becomes more important than anything else very quickly. But what, 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 what's that about? Like this, this American 
health system because it's so because it's not it's it's privatized and so it's it's so it's for for a European it, it looks so weird because like everybody's on Xanax you know so and then on antidepressants and and you know sometimes on antidepressants which are highly addictive you know and and so and and I, I'm 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 always baffled when I'm confronted with those facts and like this weird healthcare system in the United States you know what's well. We have um, people that are running now who want to change that. Yes, and I, I think the <clears throat> basic problem is healthcare is about making money. Sure. Healthcare should be about healthcare. Oh, just like the military, right? The military should be about you know protecting those who can't protect themselves, right? And and it becomes if it's military, it becomes just about making money, which it often right. has. It's 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 an abomination, and that's what's out. Just this this neoconservative market forces, greed is good, Ian Randian, all of this stuff. You can just take something that should be a very noble endeavor and make it I mean, really. Even corrupt. the prison system in the United States is privatized and is like corporate. Yeah, it's not all there's a lot. Yeah, what yeah. a bad idea that was. Right. You know, uh, wasn't the so. Clinton? I think I think it was prior to that, but it could have been. Yeah, right, right. Mm. But, but right, prisoners for profit. Right. Yeah, that doesn't sound right, and it isn't right. right. So yeah, so we we we're definitely behind Europe, and 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 Canada and a lot of other countries where I mean, socialized medicine just needs to be taken care of. Just get over it. You know, we got plenty of money. We got plenty of resources. Uh, the technology, we can do this stuff and just stop trying to make it about making money for big pharma uh, hospitals who are nonprofits, but they rake it in. And uh, yeah, it's it's just not working. Right. And it should just be, yeah, something that just works for everyone, you know? And, duh. And, and after we take care of that, then we can move on to some of these, these higher Maslowian uh, values. Right. But we've got to get the you know, we got to, you know, get our house cleaned up. So food and education, uh, healthcare, housing, these are just givens, you know, and you can say, well, is it a right or it's a privilege? I don't give a shit. Just, it's a human need. And why should we have brothers and sisters that are suffering when they don't have to be, right. you know, are we blaming little kids because they have stupid, poor parents? I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. right. And education should be free. I mean, if you're smart enough, to get into Harvard and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you should be supported by, by the state, by the government, uh, you know, and not, not, not a, <clears throat> just a free ride where you, you know, you hang around and be a student, but if you're really willing to do the work and you produce the academic results, what a better investment in the future of the world and the future of our country than right. just supporting people in higher education size they can go. So coming to, and you, what is the name? Entrainment? What do you, what you're offering in Iowa? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, brain entrainment. Is it, what is it? Is it like a mind machine or is it like a program? No, no, it's, it's just audio tracks. Oh, right. So you, you put it on with earbuds or headphones, hopefully. And through the, there's a lot of different things that we use now. It used to just be binaural beats, but we use that. But there's a lot of other technology that's layered into that. But it takes the brain in just very short period, three or four minutes and takes it into whatever desired brainwave state you want. So if you want to do a meditation in alpha 
are uh, uh, well, beta usually kind of the monkey mind, alpha, theta, delta, and below we can drain the, the brain immediately. And, wow. uh, it, and and after using it for a while, you can actually do it on your own too. Mm. You know, straight it changes the brain physically. I mean, there's changes going on in neurochemistry and, and all over. Uh, new new cellular uh, development new synapses all this stuff is happening and it just just uh it just helps speed up the the necessary essential interior practice that we all need to be developing you know right. and it's did, did, did you develop that or, or was it like a technology which was already out there no, it, was, it was a technology that was already developed and i i discovered it and uh super helped me with my uh my depression and with my spiritual uh, practice. And, and then I was in Boulder, Colorado, and I was introduced to Eric Thompson, who was somebody who was actually developing these, these tracks. And I'd been listening to Holosync and some other technology. He says, man, I think, I think, I think I'm doing this better. And I said, well, give me some tracks and let me listen to them. Because that time I'd been, I don't know, I'd been using these in, in daily practice for about five years. And so you get pretty sensitive to the, the effectiveness of the technology. And I listened to them and I was like, this is great stuff. So I can't remember all the details, but that's when I, my wife was on board and we were just transitioning from the wild, therapeutic wilderness industry into the next thing. Right. And so that seemed like a gift from the universe. And uh, so we started that and I, we, had great people that were working with a great team, very skillful uh, artists. And brain and train is like 50% science, 50% art, you know, to, to trying to find that sweet spot. And, right. uh, and, and it's so rewarding. Uh, you know, we get uh, messages and emails from people all the time. This is changing my life. It's just helping so much. And, and uh, anyway, just it, it's tapped us into a great community of people. And my, my goal is, is that, the big picture is that everyone will be uh, in training their brains, you know, uh, at some point, just like using a smartphone or, right. you know, there. And, you know, here's your Zendo right here, right? It's there. You can take it. You can be on an airplane. You can be anywhere. And the more you use it, you'll find it just begins to shift the brain. So, uh, and a lot of people are not even into the spiritual thing. They just want to they just deal with stress or to enhance creativity, focus, um, all of these things. And so, and I'm, so and I'm meditating for, I don't know, 20 years now. And I'm still astonished, you know, like even just using that, like the basic, uh, like thing, uh, the, the sacred and the profane, you know, the, all the problems you have in, in the profane realm, you know, the, the things you encounter and the, the depressions you have. And, you know, the, the you know, and you just, you just by what means, whatever, you get out of that zone and into the, the sacred and all of that vanishes. You know, it's like every time, it's like it's, it's astonishing every fucking time, you know, it's just, you just leave it behind and, and it's like, it's, I don't know. If, um, what, what are your experiences like when, when like serious addicts like have this experience, like when you, when you work with them, like how, how do they describe that, that leaving behind this and how, in, in what way does it help them? Well, <clears throat> um, first of all, they begin to, to experience that there is something called spiritual. Right. That's just not a bunch of churchy BS. 
And so when, you know, we had our house, it was our treatment center for about eight years and addicts, you know, coming out of the, you know, the windows and just packed them in. And uh, we, we had a meditation room and we'd go up there and just, uh, they'd start to put on their heads and they're just like, fuck this, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. uh, most addicts who were just in, in treatment, not all of them, but some are really angry. They're angry at themselves, angry at the world, blaming everybody but themselves. And, uh, uh, and some are just grateful to be alive and be there. But yeah, so you get a lot of that and, you know, spirituality is BS, all this church stuff. And then after just a few days, cause we'd meditate an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, they would just begin to, okay. Okay. So this spiritual thing, it's a personal thing. It's not a dogma thing. There's this whole thing over here that I'm mad at. I really don't understand or piss me off or hurt me but this is mine. This is something else. And so when you begin to learn that there's that, that dimension right. uh, of depth and purpose and meaning and healing. And uh, oftentimes in meditation, I'm sure you experience once, you know, there's that non-dual uh, level where, you know, the boundaries go away and it's just, there is just that and thou art that you always have been, always will be, et cetera. But there, there's, 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 an area, not quite that we're talking about deep, but where it's the soul level and the soul centric. And I, I, I think of it as a, uh, like a Venn diagram where you have the, the all and the individual meets right. at the, this area. And that's where we get the deep intuitive understandings about what our life is about and what is true and what is noble and what we need to do and what we need to yeah, but stop. That's, that's what I was talking about when I talked about the diamond, because that's exactly what it is. Like this, by whatever name, it's like the, these intuitions, what is good, what is true, what is beautiful and how you enact it in your way in the world yeah. when you, when you, when you come, when you come out of the, the meditation. Yeah. And well, and you also, and, and of course in, in, uh, in my work, the thing was to establish an ongoing integral practice. You know, it was just, it was just, we just practice a lot. You know, we right. go to the gym, workout we'd hike we do yoga we'd meditate uh do therapy all these different parts but the carrying vehicle for a lifetime of evolutionary growth and so and or sobriety was integral practice you know and if you go to meetings and get good support and everything that's great too but you have to do the practice and when i was writing the book well because of me all right uh, i had to become the recovery expert. Well, I had to become the integral practice expert because I mean, who was, well, there was Ken Wilber, right. you know, and anybody else. I don't know. I couldn't find him at that point. So I had to be that. So I was experimenting on myself. What happens if I meditate an hour, an hour and a half a day, you know, and I'm, 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 you know, dedicated to, to the workout and to exercise and doing all these different parts. And it started, and I had, uh, I had, suffered from crippling depression for many years. And my older brother, Rick committed suicide in my house in, in the uh, late nineties. And, and I lost my relationship and my dog got run over and I lost my job all the same time. It's like, bam. And so I, I uh, finally, I just somaticized all this stuff and I started this deep, deep depression. And, uh, and I'd have the mornings, where I was okay, but then around noon, the noonday demon, I think it's been called, it was just darkness. Right. And I couldn't, I, I was crippled. I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't read a book, couldn't pray, couldn't anything. It just 
sat in a room with very little light and waited for this thing to pass. And it was like the suffering and the alienation was so profound in these depressed states that it would seem like it would be an eternity, you know, in a psychedelic experience, 10 minutes can seem like 10,000 years. I mean, you have these things. Well, that's, that darkness was so great. And um, I started trying to put together a practice uh, to, to deal with it, exercise and meditation and Qigong and, and, and different practice, which was helping somewhat, but it wasn't until I, uh, I discovered uh, brain entrainment technology and I started using it. And the first thing, first thing I had was a, a, just a massive non-dual experience in the first week or so. <laughs> I wish I, I, I lost after it. your wilderness training and your wilderness yeah, during, during it, actually, when I was, when I was developing uh, passages to recovery treatment center and I was I was turning out to be the, the the recovery expert yikes so um and 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 it says in 12 steps step 11 it says sought through prayer and meditation to increase our conscious contact with God seeking only his will and the power to carry it out so it's right there uh transformative prayer but that was kind of left behind nobody really hey they don't talk about a deep interior contemplative prayer unless you get some really enlightened sponsor or something like that but it's got more of a support structure group but but it's right there and I was trying to get my students to meditate out in the wilderness you know and it's like and a wilderness is a pretty good place to to meditate it's not you know snowing on you or it's not a storm coming through and they weren't able to do it very well and I was like what the hell do I know about meditation anyway like I'm some kind of master so I'd heard about uh, this technology and I ordered it and then immediately had a huge uh, just non-dual spiritual openness like, this, like I've used this for a week and I'm enlightened you know what this is so and I, I studied transpersonal psychology in, in my graduate degree so I'm familiar with the literature and, and my own experiences from the past and uh, it, it wasn't obviously a completely enlightened being and all that stay home don't come to the ashram over here and uh but it, it, it created a, a little more space in my practice. And then after that, for about nine months, I began to re-experience somatically the, the issues that, were, that had me uh, so suicidal and so depressed. And so I'd be there and it would start coming up. And somehow I knew intuitively that I needed to do this. So instead of you know, taking the headphones off and going, <sighs> No, just observe this, watch this, and let it express itself in your body. And then it would build up. And my wife said she should be meditating on just like, just the, the pain. And then it would. Mm. And I would, wow, I remember the first time. I think I, I think I released it. And then I looked down, and there are like layers and layers of work still to do. But I learned there, and it turns out that that um, experts in, in trauma and PTSD therapy say it's a somatic thing. Uh, trauma it's not just a mental deal i mean the mental's fine but that doesn't get to the root core it's still somatically right. these memories but you have to process that so i went through this whole process of of deepening my spiritual life but at the same time releasing layer and layer of this stuff and i'd never heard of this happening before technology that 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 would make that uh possible so that's kind of when i got very excited and, so how, and, how many years exactly was it ago let's see uh, well, it, uh, I awake, we just had our ninth year right. this month or September. And I think I was, I 
doing that for at least five years before. Right. Mm. Probably about 2000 ish. Mm. Wow. So that, and then of course, as you were saying, and, and, and if you de- develop the, if you establish the practice, then in turn, the practice starts to establish you and you begin to find the source of guidance and wisdom and inspiration inside of you. So while, you know, I still honor the great teachers and the great minds and, and the great mystics and everything, I'm part of the same thing, you know, that, that non-local consciousness that we tap into. And so that, that's, um, that's a great comfort and really useful. And when you're really struggling with things that know that if you just, if you be persistent and just stay relaxing into these deeper levels of us, all, all the, the, the answers and the guidance and the understanding that we need is available in each one of us. Mm. We just develop the practice and, and we've, and, and when you do, when you do the meditation and the entrainment stuff as a, it, it works on a lot of levels. It's, it's a great emotional practice because the stuff comes up. One of my prayers when I'm meditating is like, great mystery, great spirit, God, I want to say that. Is there anything that I'm supposed to be learning? Is there anything I'm supposed to be doing? Is there anything I'm supposed to be releasing? You know, is there anything in, and there's some, something I forgot to ask, you know, let me know. Cause here I'm here, I'm open. And one of the, the kind of the meta meditations that I use is centering meditation or centering prayer, which I kind of, which I discovered on my own. And I thought it had this great break. I don't understand. What, what is that? Cindering? Well, what did you say? Cindering yeah. meditation. Cindering. What does it mean? And it, it's an esoteric, well, it's less esoteric, but it's a, it's a Christian based um, transformational uh, way to meditate and pray. Okay. And contemplative prayer. So the basic, the basic uh, practice is you focus on your heart and j- not just the pump, but your spiritual center. And you kind of say, okay, God, I'm ready to experience your presence or however you want to say that. And then you just sit. And when the mind wanders, as it does, you just bring it back to center. Bring it back to center. A centering meditation. Centering, yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that, and I discovered that among, and I thought, yeah, wow, like I'm discovering all this stuff. Then I read a book. It's like, okay. And I went to a monastery and I found the whole library full of uh, the literature on the subject, which made me, feel maybe I wasn't schizophrenic so it was encouraging so uh, so I do that with with a with a theologically cleaned up version in other words I don't attach a lot of uh, uh, a Christian theology or this or that but it is a practice and I in 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 my in my practice deep meditation opens me up for deep prayer sure and when, when we say you know contemplative that doesn't mean thinking about God, that means experiencing this mystery, this presence. So when you clear the mind out, all your thoughts, you get through all that stuff, which is not bad. It's just where you have to go uh, to get there. And so with enough practice, sometimes, you know, we become much better at centering down. But then in that place, you have this, this experience of, of, of the great mystery, you know, and it's, and it's beautiful and it's, it's essential. It's who we are. And it's like, it, 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 it answers, you know, all the, the deep existential, you know, uh, questions That's that true. we have. Yeah. So, Do you still work with, with addicts or uh, is that? Uh, I have, I have um, uh, colleagues that do. And so I get, I get phone calls and I, I can re- recommend right. them. Uh, right. other 
Yeah, I had, because I, had I, a... I because I was just reminded. I, I like I think two years ago now I had Gen Poroshi on the podcast, and he had like this big mind, big big heart book, this right. famous one, and and in the German edition there was like a CD inside. I don't know if it was also in the American edition. And so in, in, on this CD he he leads a like a journalist. Uh, through the process like within five minutes to, to get into that state and and she was just mind-blowing and crying and it's like it's like when when you have first have these experiences and it's like it's so it's so mind-boggling you know how liberating it is and and how deep connected you suddenly can be and so I imagine like when you when you work with addicts it's like or even people who don't have these experiences and then you you you, you um Give them this entrainment technology that must be must be amazing to to see and observe that how how they direct it's so rewarding yeah it's like it's like karmic gold in the bank you know it's like thank you god my prayer <laughs> my whole life can i do something of value can i be of service to my people to the world it's like okay you can't it's like thanks right so, so you want me to i just brought up this idea you want me to tell you the meaning of life so we can just like cut to the chase sure let's okay. let's get right to the to the meat yeah, of things the meat of things so this is i think i got it from ken but anyway i've been chewing on this and it's wake up show up clean up no wake up grow up clean up and show up okay so number one thing you got to remember who and what you really are and that's, that's the spiritual uh, truth. When you get down to it, there is only one and thou art that. Okay. And not just, just a, you know, reading of Rumi or reading, you know, an actual experiential experience of this, which you continue to, to reinforce and uh, uh, stabilize with continued practice. Right. So the next part of that is growing up. So it's not enough just as, as Ken and, uh, has so brilliantly described it. It's not enough just to have this, this non-dual experience. That's just the beginning of the real work. But you have to get to the highest levels, uh, developmental levels that are available in a stable way. Okay, so why? Because the solutions to all the very complex problems that we're experiencing the planet now, that's the only place you can really find them. So if you're working from a lower level, you're probably just going to be making things worse. So we have to wake up spiritually, remember who and what we are, and then we have to grow up to become this, you know, what do you, second tier or late second tier and, or third tier, whatever is that, where the highest human intellectual and artistic, ascetic and spiritual capacities all begin to come one up there. And, and from there, you have more perspective, more wisdom, more insight, more skillfulness, all of that stuff. Okay. So you wake up, you grow up, then you got to clean up. Oh my God. So you just don't become another damn cult, right? Uh, is you've got to do the shadow work. You know, you got to those, those parts of yourselves that are wounded or hurt. I mean, the shadow's immense, you know, uh, it, it's, 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 you know, you tap into it and it's often, Oh, this is just my shadow. This is my species shadow. You know, this goes back a long, long way. And you process that. And if you, if you leave those things unconscious, and Freud was exactly right, and, and the unconscious, they, they grow up, you know, and down in the basement and lock and chain and try to keep it down. And they grow up in the living room in the front yard. It just begins to take over everything. So you have to do that. You have to clean up. And, that, of course, that means your physical lifestyle, too. Just clean up 
So your process of waking up and, and growing up has can be healthy and not to be sabotaged by those places that we're trying to avoid. And then the last is show up. So once you've, once you've woken up, once you uh, got to the highest level that you, you're capable of, and who knows? I mean, this is moving fast, evolutionary speaking. And you've cleaned up your act. Then, and you don't have to wait till the very end to show up. This is all happening simultaneously. But then it's like, okay, what am I here to do? Given that I am everything, okay? And I'm also an individual with a deep connection to this stuff. So what is my my goal, what is my mission? What is my vision to do in this lifetime? And then you find that, and then you, you know, it's like the, the, the Zen ox herding pictures, you know, that go through all this process of, of the awakening. And at the end, you see, see our hero with a, a big heart and open hands going back into the marketplace. So that's it. And, and I've told that to that. people before, and they go, they're ready to, you know, to deconstruct me. And, uh, and they just go, hmm, makes sense, you know? It makes completely sense, yes. You want to know where I stand in my question of what is the purpose of life? Sure. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, you know the, the novel of Hermann Hesse, the glass bit game, the glass yeah. bit game. So though it's a game, it's, it's kind of super serious, but it's also a game, you know? And so I was, because you, you mentioned contemplating, I, I was just contemplating this. And, you know, life is, 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 is super important, you know? It's, it's super unimportant at the same time. You know, that's the basic conundrum. You know, it's like everything, what we do is super important and, and it's not important whatsoever. And so you have like this, this game aspect, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a game. It's like, but if you, if, you're, if you are a kid and you play like softball, it's like, it's the same. It's like super, it's like super important, but it's not. And so, and so, this is what I like with with um, with Hansi Freiner. You know, the sincere irony of things. You know, you have to take yourself seriously, and the world, and the problems of the world, and everything. But at the same time, you have to have this deep understanding that it's all, it's 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 it doesn't have any sense. The universe has no morals at all. You know, it just you know, it's just it's just that we have to bring those two like like deep meaning and deep sense and deep senselessness together in a way and so that is what 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 i am contemplating right now and so and i think well i would say i would say this uh, uh, do you have morals well i have morals yes ergo the universe has morals. yes 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 uh, yes that's, that's kind of true yes mm. and and a guy told me one time we were having a conversation i don't believe in a personal god I said, well, are we being personal here he goes yes Right. Yeah. Oh, sure. So, no, of course, yes. Yeah, of course, right. Um, yeah, but you but, can't argue morals with an exploding sun. That is what I'm talking about. You know? Yeah. So, uh, like, 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 a, like a big star who destroys planets. You can't really argue morals or ethics there. You know? It's just, no. Well, it, but if we're going to survive long enough to see our sun explode, we need to get our morals straight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, and, and so, yeah, and so, I mean, the basic kind of non-dual intuition is if it all blew up, if the universe just went poof, all of a sudden, what we are is still there because right. everything arises from the self, the big self, you know, right. time, matter, everything arises from this thing that we 
that we experience and get in touch with in, in, in our deepest work. And right. from there, everything uh, matters. And, and, you know, when you look at 13.7 billion years, however, you know, give, give or take 100 million years there, um, developed so quickly and so complexly to have creatures that are having conversations like this, that are talking about waking up in this deep interior reflection of what matters and what is matter and da 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 it's just a remarkable thing. Right. It, it, it's probably way beyond dumb luck. And of course, uh, the mystic, you know, the uh, scientific reductionist view is like consciousness is just an epi, uh, phenomena of matter, you know, da, 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 whatever happens, cells start combining these complex characters. And we have this illusion that we're conscious and it's just like working out. The mystic, however, she finds or understands or has that deep, knowing that consciousness is before everything consciousness is what it all arises from and it's it's a real it's a real um uh, powerful um intuition and i think uh the latest in neuroscience not is beginning to move in that direction and so it's very important that our scientists and mysticism and spirituality stay together in this post metaphysical right. uh, thing that so uh, I would say from my personal experience, I, I think the consciousness is first. That's how I experience in a very real deep way. Right. But and also we're, we're starting to kind of understand that there's kind of a consciousness or a non-local thing that, that the brain is just a transmitter and it's not creating it. Right. So. No, I think like this is what, what like those meta theories, like if you have like integral theory or meta modernism, or I don't know if you are um, um, familiar with performatism, that's also like a post postmodern theory. So, and, and the guy, it's a German professor called Raoul Eschelmann, and he says like the, the problem is um, with, with the advent of postmodernity, we know that um, there is no objective truth anymore, and everything is like socially constructed, which is ki kind of true. And so, and what do we do? Hmm? I said, yes, it's kind of true. Yeah. And so what, what do we do in, in, in a time after postmodernity? And he says, and it's similar to what Hansi says, like we act uh, uh, as if it's true, although we know that it isn't. And what we discover in that act is some form of beauty and, and spirituality, some new form. And yes. so, and, and, and this is like the interesting thing, you know, you, you, when you, when you can reconnect, with 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 the ground of being with with all of things and but you have this awareness and the sincere irony or whatever you call it like to well yes um it's 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 playful but we can but we can enact some form of spirituality again and so this is like i mean i, I know this is like the frame of reference we have now as being like leaving postmodernity, and i think like people will completely differently describe it in 200 or 2000 years but it's like what, what we have now and, and what we can, like these are the, 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 the terms we have to describe existence now. Yeah, and it's amazing to be living in a time, I mean, because these, these different levels, you know, modernity and the pre-modern and the tribal and the magical and all this stuff. I mean, this, this shifted over hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of years. We're living at a time, or at least since I was a child, uh, I was born in, in the late 50s. Uh, we've seen, you know, postmodern really come onto the scene and be a big, you know, powerful stage. And at the same time, we're seeing, you know, something just in 20 or 30 years, something that's emerging from that. Right. I mean, you just get a 
historically how fast uh, things are speeding up and our knowledge of the brain and our knowledge of so much stuff is, it, it can be used to enhance our wisdom, okay? And, and to be better, to be smarter, to, to make a planet that matters. You know, does it matter? Well, I don't know. How, right. how, how, how meaningful and how beautiful can we make it? Because we are the subject, right. you know? And we're creating this, the object too. I mean, and of course that, that all kind of goes away, but right. it's, and we have to be able to laugh at ourselves and look in the mirror with great joy and gratitude for, for the whole adventure, but we're living in a really special time. Right. So where, where are you at right now? That is like in, in terms of your, your, your work and your, your projects and, and like, so you, you're working on a new book or, or you're still working yeah. with the iAwake technologies or what, what yes, do you do? Yes, we're working with iAwake. We have a, we have a podcast that we're starting to do with Roger Walsh. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, called Meditate on This, with an exclamation mark. And uh, that will be... Uh, Is it a new one? Is it coming out? Do you have, you, you're, it's already out there. Well, there, there's some, there's some, there's a few uh, of with me and Douglas Prater, who works with me as a colleague, and we've done some stuff. Also, we have, if you're interested in the integral recovery thing, I think we have about 50 uh, integral recovery podcasts that are, it's on YouTube. Right. Okay. But then the, I did the meditate now or meditate this. What did you say? Uh, meditate on this. Meditate on, on this. This is like a thing coming out now with Roger Walsh. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a few kind of proto uh, right. episodes that you can go and see on YouTube. And also, uh, I did one. I know, it's a fantastic medium. No, I, I love it so much. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, oh, it's yoga. You know, it's we're really in this process of discussing this. It's a spiritual practice. We're beginning to move into areas. And that's why, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I didn't want to, you know, have my bullet points and this is, you know, say this stuff, I always say it, just like keep this open and uh, see where it goes. So, uh, so anyway, uh, so that's there also. Then I did a series of interviews called Spirit, Spirit Tech Talks, where I was interviewing people that are producing this really cutting edge transformational technology. So that there's a lot of, anyway, so there's a bunch of me on YouTube if you're interested. And the new one uh, with Roger will be coming uh, online at the beginning of the year. But we also, um, anyway, I'd love to have you on there. And we may have to do it before the year. So I'd love just to hear more about your story, Tom. And, right, uh, right. Awesome. So Roger Walsh lives in, in the vicinity or is it, do you do it like online or how do you do it? Yeah, online, right. He's, right. he's in California. I'm between Utah and Northern Louisiana and uh, Doug is in North Carolina. And so you will have like a, like a, like a guest or is it like discussions between you um, on, on certain topics or how, how, how is it, what is the design? Yeah, I would obviously mainly would be guests and have conversations, but sometimes, you know, uh, yeah, just talking about whatever's up, you know, and uh, if, if you're, you know, if you're working on stuff, you're working on your life, you're a practitioner, you're meditating, you're struggling with all this stuff. It's like, there's always incredible stuff. And, and of course the, the, the social and political scene is always producing really interesting stuff, uh, you know, to talk about, but it's, it's generally just, yeah, just getting into the flow space, trusting the logos, trusting that, the, uh, that what emerges will emerge. And, uh, I think it's just fascinating to watch right. it. To be right. Do you have a website? Oh, so we're also starting to, to put together um, 
our technology with uh, virtual reality. Oh, our, oh. At least 360, um, 360 camera work. So we did a, uh, um, just recently near my home, there's this Red Rock Cathedral, beautiful, beautiful place. And I have a friend, David Holliday, who's one of the premier primitive skill uh, practitioners in the world. So he can, you know, he just, he, if you got to get stuck out in the wilderness with nothing, you want to be stuck with Dave, you know? And so he goes through this, this kind of red rock hallway and he sits down and he starts a fire using a hand drill, which is ain't easy. Trust me, it took me a long time to do that. And there's a bow drill fire too, but even more primitive with just using the hand. So he starts the fire and this is in the red rocks and the sun's going down. So we have about 40 minutes of just him starting the fire and focusing on the fire in the vr in the vr yeah so look around and you're in this canyon and you're right there and of course then we'll supply the music to take you into these deep states and i think i mean from years of experience has confirmed that i think the earliest in training technology we probably had was rhythm and fire so fire it's such an ancient ancestral thing you're sitting around the fire just looking praying are speaking your truth into the fire. So it'll give people an opportunity to do that at home. And so that's our, our project. And we just got the first 12 minutes in today. Wow, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, so, so it's really exciting. And, and the VR is a really, really, really powerful tool. And I, you've probably done it. I mean, I don't know if you've done it, but anyway, the first time you use it, it's just shocking because you are Absolutely. in another reality, like, bam. What is the name, so, HHA uh, from, what is the name of the thing? I forgot it. It was a it was a high tech thing. I, I I tried once, and it was amazing when you when you enter like a like a house, and then an elevator brings you up, and then there's a plank, you know, and you 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 walk down the plank and look down like I don't know twenty, oh, hmm? and your heart's going like holy yeah, yeah exactly, and you can't you can't leave the plank. It's like it's amazing. Yes. Well, uh, so we're working with that to try to make it uh, use what we already know to make uh, skillful skillful means to uh, help people uh, facilitate their, their experience. Also, I'm interested in using VR and I'm not want really busy stuff and all this, you know, it's like I want to focus things and it also might be uh, a tool for shamanic journey. You know, oh, it's amazing. Mm. your brain entrainment and you're looking at the fire and we're thinking of doing a, a whole series of sacred places, you know, they could be famous. It could be a CC. So do you, you film it for yourself? You, you, or what do you do? It's yeah, like- well, actually we had uh, a gentleman uh, flying from Australia of all places to who, who seemed to be uh, very much uh, mission closely oriented to what we were trying to do. Use this, this technology to transform, to heal. To wake because, up. because you need a whole camera rig and I, I don't know. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It looks like R2D2. You know, it's just this big round thing on a tripod, and it's, you can't sit behind the camera and film it because it's filming you. So you have to be out of the picture with an iPad, and uh, and oh, it's really right. exciting. It's like, it's like um, the first people when they started making motion pictures, who knew what was going to happen? So we we're right at that point with VR trying to figure out what is it good for? You know, what is it this and that and the other? So it's pretty exciting to be involved in that Amazing. process. Yeah. I mean, I think like even podcasting, it's, it's also an intimation of this, this primal way of communicating. Like, it's like we're, we're, we're basically 
not really sitting around a fireplace, but like this long form conversations. I think it's like what, what, and, and trying to, you know, learn something new. That is like what what happened when we were like, like living forty thousand, fifty thousand years ago. You know, it's like, it's so primal. That's that's why why there is never like if a good if it's a good podcast, there's not. Well, that's not kind of true, but you know, you know what I mean. It's like so. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, who would have thought, of course, the, the uh, conventional wisdom is that, you know, in, in this internet age where people grow up and do on technology, they, they have an attention span that lasts like three minutes. Right. So your podcast means really brief. Blah, blah, blah. Who, who, would have, who would have guessed that people were actually looking for something else, something longer, something uh, uh, deeper, something more, more real, I suppose, right. more truthful. Right. And, uh, and, you know, I, my main podcast, uh, time is when I'm on the uh, treadmill. So, oh, right. you know, sure. mm -hmm. it's really nice because I get two practices going at the same time. And, sure. uh, but if it's a really long one, like a three and a half hour conversation or something, I'll just listen to it over several days and it's wonderful to be able to come back to it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many people who have to work, uh, to drive to work for an hour or even longer, you know, and I heard, I hear that so much that they just listen to a podcast then and, you know, to have some, some input and some new things to, to think about. I think it's like a great way of circumvent all the all the traditional mainstream media with the fake interviews and stuff like that. And you know. it's so deeply democratic, you know. I mean, it's just amazing what we can do with with the technology that's available. And and hopefully that's that's why uh, the whole IDW uh, thing was was moving to me. And I, I kind of got into it through somebody suggested Jordan Peterson. And I was really interested. Why is this guy getting all this heat? You know, and it's like, yeah, Jordan, yeah. you know, and yeah, but it's so, it's, it's so amazing because he, I, I said that this once I, I, in another place, you know, it's like he developed this grassroots movement where he was basically like two years, three years ago talking to basically everybody, you know, I, I even had him on the podcast. And so it was like, he did this and, and, and so he built it up. And so he, then he got like the, the first reviews and, and I don't know, cable news stations and whatever. And then, then he completely blew up. It was like amazing, but he, he, he very um, consciously used like this, this podcast medium to, to build a brand in a way. And so that, that, was very, that was very interesting to see how he did that. Yeah, and, and the fact that he's spoken uh, deeply to young men or even older men for that matter, I think is really, really good, you know, because one of the things that post-modernity, uh, the kind of the, the darker side of it, it's really anti-masculine, you know, True. so you kind of feel guilty about being a man and this and that, and what does it mean? And what is your relationship with women and all this, you know, all, all this, just the abuse has been going on and in the whole, you know, uh, in that arena has, has come to the fore. So what does that mean to be a man? And is mm -hmm. it okay to you have to be just a kind of a wimpy little intellectual non-threatening nerd uh, to make it through the postmodern, you know, checklist. And right. I think that's a travesty. Right. And that's one of the things I found in the integral movement is like in postmodernity, when I went to school, it was a very postmodern uh, uh, grad school and it's kind of bad to be a man. And, you know, you know, you, you'd see really interesting in the green levels, like the women would become more masculine, right? No makeup and da, 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 kind of more, and the men would become more feminine. And right. so there was a 
kind of thing going this way. And you'd be kind of be judged on that. And what, what I found in the integral world is that once you get through all that, that deconstructing, you can reconstruct yourself to be whatever you want. Right. You know, and if you're just a really masculine guy. Hey, you know, praise the universe. You know, right. we need to, you know, or if you're this or that or bi or whatever it is. And, and the, the, uh, I think the issue is with all this in, in, in ethnic relationships, racial, sexual is just the value of deep respect. Okay. You just treat people with respect. They may be a Trump supporter, you know, a MAGA hat on, you don't just curse them or, you know, flip them off or this deeply respecting them. We could just start from that level. And then you understand uh, a knowledge of developmental levels. You can start just to, just respect people. Right. And let me, let me bounce one off. This is an idea I came up with and I, I, I told it to a few people and said, Oh, John, you're going to get in a bunch of trouble. Which I don't, I, you know, what do I care? But <laughs> as far as, um, you know, what is the model for masculinity given all the abuse and, you know, and, 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 and I mean, post-modernity, the, the stuff they point out is really true. You know, sure. I mean, the, all these abuses and, 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 you know, it's just uh, whether it's racial, this or that, um, but the, the idea that, that came to me is, uh, would be a new chivalry. Okay. Right. You know, the, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a Western archetype. And then they probably, you know, and around the world, there's, there's that tradition of the warrior, but the, the knight, the errant knight, that knight who, who honors and serves the feminine and protects it you know, and, and, and approaches the feminine in whatever guise, whether it's the crone or the prostitute or the lady or this or that with a sense of divinity and your job as a knight is to support it and protect it, you know, protect it. We don't need any protection. We can do it. Come on. But, but I love that idea because it, it allows us to, uh, to take something out of our past and that has noble ideas attached to it and allows you to be uh, a, a man. And, and if that's how you're wanting to be a fully incarnated masculine man, and that's okay. I mean, that's and super, super important what you say, because it's like, yeah, we, it's not only that we all need protection. It's like the women protect us too, you know? It's like, it's, it's like and so, and, and so they, they do it in a different manner than we do, but we, um, it's, it's, it's like a, deeply it's a purpose to protect femininity you know and so and i think you're completely right when you say this has to be like an awake and and, and a new form of, of chivalry so i think again coming back to, to jordan peterson he gets so much flag uh, from from the hard left that he's not postmodern i think i think he's completely postmodern you know he he worked for for 15 20 years in the in the upper echelon of all Psych psychology departments in Harvard and in Toronto and I think like you like when you when you work like there for, for 20 years you can't not be you ha can't have not eaten the 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 the, the teachings of postmodernity like you know deeply and to the core in a way and and but he chose to highlight that we have to reintegrate those masculine forms of protection and of, of values and so and I and I get why hard leftist postmodern do not like that but you know it's like for me he he isn't he has an integral integral flavor to it you know because he yes. in, in, a, in a way he, he he integrates 
postmodernity and, and modern thinking and striving and he integrates myth and biology and so what, what more do you want actually? You know, and so. Yeah, the, the, the one, I mean, one of the, the, one of the main, where I would differ and, and when, I, when I critique him, it's a very loving critique because I really respect what he's done and, and his teaching is that he, he, he doesn't have the, he hasn't uh, brought in the developmental model yet. You know, and realizing that postmodernity is another evolutionary stage. It's not just a pathology. Okay. And yeah, but he to... has, though. He has a, a because he, his whole self authoring program, I mean, it's the same that what, what Keegan basically says, you know, like to be, to, to get over that stage and be self authoring and self, you know, self designing in a way. And so that, that's like, it's not explicit, like, like Ken Wilbert does it, but it's there. You know, you can't really argue. It's, it's there. He uses Piaget. He uses like a, on top of Piaget, like a, a Jungian model of integration. And so it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a little bit between the lines. I get that, but I also see that it's there, you know, yes. and so, and, and I don't know. And yeah, and he seems to be a person who's really uh, open to growing and learning. I love some of my favorite moments with him is when he doesn't know what to say, but you can see him actually struggling for the idea the concept to be born in the right. range and way he just checked into a treatment center did you know that yeah yeah i've, I've heard that mm -hmm. and i'm not saying yeah, coming, this yeah yeah coming back because he, he exactly because his daughter told and that was we're coming back to this topic because his daughter told on the internet that he was described antidepressants which were so powerful he got addicted immediately and that, that, that just blew my mind how how doctors can do that You know, it's like, <sighs> absolutely. And, and I mean, it just makes me, uh, my heart opens to him because he's a person suffering through this addiction thing. But the fact that he just took care of it and got honest and didn't get in denial and said, man, I got a problem. This is, this is uh, more powerful than I can deal with myself. And of course he was prescribed because his uh, wife was suffering from life-threatening cancer. They thought it was going to kill her. She's, apparently she's better now. But the fact that that uh, that he did that does not any way take away uh, from my respect for him. It just adds to it. So right. You know, right. Thanks for that. You know. Right. Well, John, I think we talked now for more than 90 minutes. I think we've we've got it now. Yeah. Thank you very much that you did that. That was very. It was very pleasurable. Yeah, I had nice a great to time. know you. Yeah.